Hey, Dan Talks listeners. So this week's podcast episode is going up the day after I complete Endurance Queen. And in preparation for that day, I wanted to talk to Jay Mateko, who is a former track and field coach uh, with me. I should say they were my boss when I was a track and field coach um, in high school. And I really wanted to talk to Jay because they're also a runner, also a marathoner, also a queer person, and also someone who has seen me perform Endurance Queen before. And they have a lot of really great insights and thoughts on running, which is so hard to put into words and was really reassuring to me the day before I did Endurance Queen again. Um, Jay is also doing a really important project totally of their own making called the fuck COVID-19 marathon, which they decided to embark on after New York City Roadrunners announced that the NYC marathon was canceled for this year. Um, They were really upset by it, as so many people were, and decided to really take the reins and still train for a marathon um, and use it as a fundraising platform for Black Girls Run and Front Runners New York, which is a queer running Um, organization in New York City and I'm going to put the Google Sheets link in the description of this podcast so you can go there and donate I've donated so many other people have donated um, and you can sponsor one of their training runs uh, in preparation for their own independent marathon to happen on October 25th 2020 so I encourage you to do that and if you can't donate just enjoy Jay's um, awesome insights and reassuring words. Um, There are a few people that made me feel as grounded and supported and confident as I embarked on this crazy project as they did. So I hope you're equally inspired. All right. Love you guys.
I wanted to talk to you because I'm doing Endurance Queen on Monday, which you've seen in person. And also you are training for a marathon and I need to talk to somebody else about what what it's like to train for a marathon by yourself yes. and then conceive of doing it by yourself. Yes. Um, I want to start with um, why, why running? No hand-eye coordination. <laughs> no flying objects, right? I can't, I can't kick and also, or catch and also, you know, um, (laughs) I started running when I was eight in a community youth track and field program. Um, and I aged out of that program and then became an assistant coach and then a coach and then a director of the program, um, and ran all through high school. I played one season of soccer in high school because I like really wanted to be a soccer girl. Um, no, none, to, <laughs> no to all. <laughs> uh, and running, it just, it's always made sense. It makes me feel very in my body. Um, and it used to be more of a, an emotional outlet as opposed to something I had control over. So I'd get super anxious in college and like sprint a mile and a half and then walk home and be tired. And that's, what it was for a really long time. And then I started running more consistently as a way of getting more stasis in my life and having like three days a week that I run and not binge drinking or meeting friends or staying out too late. Like it became such a solidifying factor in my life after graduate school. And it's always been it's just always kind of been a part of what I do, but it's changed over the last few years to be a part of who I am, which is like a a weird change. Like I've always been someone who runs, but now I am a runner for the first time, which is weird. Um, I did my first half marathon with a friend in 2016, it must've been. And it was like the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, And in a couple of weeks, I'm running my fourth marathon. So it's, uh, it is just <laughs> increased exponentially. Um, yeah, it's a long answer to your question, but uh, that's what we're here for, I think. What does it feel like two weeks out? I am ready in a way that I don't think I've ever been ready before. I think because like two of my best friends are going to be here doing pit crew I don't have to travel. I can start on my own schedule. I don't have to worry about getting to the right place at the right time. It's just, I'm just going to get up, make coffee, have a bagel, and then go for it. And it feels, I feel so much more relaxed, so much more confident than I ever had before because I am like, I could have done it today probably. Like, I am just ready to go. My body is ready, my mind is ready. I have to plan a route. I haven't done that yet. That's not ready, (laughs) but uh, I will soon. Um, But it's, I feel good. And it's hard to say that because it's, it's five hours of running. It's not going to be easy. It, It never is, but I'm feeling ready for it in a way that I haven't been before for the last couple. That makes me feel a lot better to hear that you, <clears throat> are because I'm I'm doing it tomorrow and I'm scared. 
I mean, check back with me in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <how> we <laughs> um, but also, you're doing it as a, well, you decided to do this in June, and you're doing it sort of, well, correct me, but you're, as my impression is that you're doing it in response to the New York City Marathon being canceled. And even though you weren't signed up to do it, it like broke your heart. And then you're like, you know what? I don't need New York City Roadrunners to tell me when I can do something or like an inspiring event. I can be the inspiring event. And you decided that you were going to train for a marathon to happen in two weeks and use it as a fundraising platform for Black Girls Run and Front Runners New York, which is a queer running group. Yeah, exactly correct. It was this, I had planned this year to take the year off from the marathon. Um, I was going to do a half every three months and then run LA or Austin in the February, March uh, of 2021. So I had no plans to do any marathon this year. And then all of this COVID happened and I was not signed up to do New York, uh, exactly correct, but the day it was canceled, I saw it on Twitter and had to like walk away from my desk and stop working for a half an hour because I couldn't stop crying and I was so upset about it. And it was very surprising. I think it was just a manifestation of, of a variety of upsetness, uh, of upsetness in general. Um, and I just had this moment of like, I'm gonna do it anyway because I want to and with Black Lives Matter protests and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and everything that happened, like I wanted to also do some kind of fundraising and participate. And just in general, these, these huge events like New York or Chicago, they're huge fundraising platforms for a variety of different organizations. And it, it really started to sink in of how much money those organizations are potentially losing all those good causes that weren't getting eyes on them in the way that they normally would. Um, so I went with black girls run and front runners, uh, New York and raised over a thousand dollars in like three hours, um, because of this amazing community of people that I know who all chipped in a little bit. Um, it's, it was incredible. I was just like, vibrating with energy as it was happening. I was like refreshing the feed and just watching it and was like, Oh my God, like couldn't even contain myself. It was incredible. I'm so grateful. Um, it also definitely helps to like put other people's money where my mouth is like it made training this summer in the heat so much easier where I was like, well, Amanda paid $25 for me to run these 10 miles today. And I'm like staring at my watch like, Ugh, God, uh, uh. <laughs> so it was a, a huge motivating factor um, because, you know, like I mentioned, there's, I, I didn't have to pay to register and I didn't have to pay to travel. And so I think it would have been pretty easy to kind of slack off and do it kind of lazy. Um, but to put together a training plan and to hold myself accountable by making other people hold me accountable. Um, ultimately it was a selfish act and uh, I'm grateful for the generosity of the <laughs> people in my network. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I hope this isn't the first time. Um, Cause it feels really good to be, to be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, 
was there any part of you that felt at all self-conscious about asking people for money or raising money? Normally, normally the answer would be yes. I am not good at that. I never, even when we were kids doing like candle fundraisers, like I never, never like that. But I think because I wasn't, I thought a lot about it and I made it, I made a point that people weren't giving me money that I was then doing things with. So it was more of a choice of like, here's a link, go donate or don't, whatever. Like I didn't end up having to solicit which was good. I just put out a call and it happened so quickly mm -hmm. that I didn't have to like go to a friend and say like, Hey, would you be willing to donate $5 to sponsor mile 12 or whatever? Like it happened. It happened so fast. And to just like, I've always been a fan of black girls run. Um, in particular, there was a, a woman, she was cheering on some friends at the Brooklyn half like five years ago and I was also cheering on some friends and she was um, cheering extra for black girls run and I was like it seems like a great program I'm not really familiar with it but it seems cool and she like talked to me for five minutes about how like her squad came out to support her when she ran Boston and it's such a great community for her and it's such an important like thing for her to be a part of as a runner in New York and it just like really stuck with me a lot and so to sort of get that, to get the name and get the organization out a little bit, um, most of my runner friends are familiar with the, the, the group already. So it was nice to showcase a little bit um, for folks who didn't. Uh, so yeah, I think the fact that I wasn't collecting and then redistributing the money, I was just sort of pointing people in a certain direction. Um, I think that made it, Definitely made it easier. Thinking about a mar the marathon itself, what is, you've done three of them, right? Mm -hmm. what, um, what is it like to run a marathon? It is like nothing you've ever experienced. You can read about it. You can see it. You can watch it. Uh, it is the most difficult thing I have ever done and probably will ever do. Um, not to like be dramatic, but I compare it to childbirth a lot where like I did the first one and was like, wow, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I can't believe that I did that. Um, and then six months went by and I was like, well, maybe I didn't do great. So like, maybe I'll do it again and just like see if it's better. And then it like, f like for real was not better. It was a lot worse the second time actually, cause I knew how bad it was going to be. Uh -huh. um, and then I was like, I'm going to run it until I have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up for the third one and was like, yeah, this one was pretty good. This is kind of fun. Actually. I'm enjoying this. Um, it's, it is, it is going to be an interesting experience to do it by myself in two weeks because that feeling of community you get, even if you're not talking to people, it's such an individual act to make the choice to do something that is just like objectively bad for your body. Um, and you ultimately 
whether you've got people cheering you on or a community of people you're running with, like ultimately you have to put one foot in front of the other and do the damn thing. And that is such an interesting and unique challenge to say, I am going to do this with support, but ultimately alone. And I don't know, it's uh, being out on the road, sometimes like completely alone. And there's no one like really holding you accountable. No one really cares if you finish from like a organization perspective. So it's the challenge of having to hold yourself accountable for actually finishing what you started. And I think there are so many things in our lives where we can chicken out or quit and like you can always quit halfway through you know that's not like there's no shame in that for sure um but the challenge of making the decision i don't know it's it's impossible to describe and it sounds so cliche where it's like you just don't understand but like you really don't until you do it and you're like wow which is the least articulate way of describing how no it is like wow (laughs) It is like, wow. It is like, wow. I'm clearly crying as you're speaking. (laughs) It resonates deeply with me, um, as you know. Um, What Maybe I'm veering away from the emotional because I'm too uncomfortable with it, but physically, can you describe... There's no... There's no... um, You mentioned childbirth. There's no, like, other reference... Or, like, reference point for how your body feels when you get to mile... 15, 18, 20, mile 22, mile 24, mm-hmm. and then whatever the end is. Like, who knows what's happening at the end? Can you describe what your body is feeling like? I think I've gotten s- smarter. As I've run more and become a better, a better runner, I've gotten more skilled at doing this. You know, like with everything, if you practice, it gets it gets easier and even once a year practice of the marathon, it has gotten easier. Um, my first marathon was the main marathon, uh, in Portland, uh, not super big, a perfect first marathon. Um, it was, I was so cocky. My training plan, stupid. I did a bad job preparing myself. I only, I did two 16 mile runs in a row, but that was the furthest, farthest I had gone before doing the the full 26, which was not enough. So I was like, you know, young, dumb, and full of whatever, uh, overconfidence, Uh and um, got to mile 16 and was like, I'm fucking crushing this. I am like, I'm doing so good. I'm so, like, wow. Uh, (laughs) More than halfway. More than halfway, like, damn. And then you get to this moment, like literally 20 minutes later, where you're like, oh, wait, I still have an hour and a half of running to do. <laughs> and then I was like, uh-oh. Um, and my first time, I also like, sorry not to be super blue on your podcast, but I had like bad stomach trouble. So the last six miles were me just being like, I, I need to not be running right now. And so I, I had to stop a lot which was concerning because there's nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and the the sanctioned spots to do that sort of business were occupied. So it's like, well, I here's a, a pile of rocks uh-huh. behind a construction site. Uh-huh. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just like, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, so you know that became the sort of perpetual concern of like paying attention to diet and then understanding the problems that can happen. Um, in my second marathon, I I almost blew out my hip flexor and thought I was going to have to stop. Um, managed to make it through, but just barely. Uh, because it's, for me, it's more about the brain challenge than the body challenge. Because if you can... If you can run 10 miles, you can run 13. If you can run 13, you can run 20. If you can run 20, you can run 26. So like if you can run 10, you can do the marathon from a physical body perspective, in my opinion. Um, I think that you have to get to a point where you are separating your brain from your body because even though running definitely grounds me, in my body in a way that like, you know, uh, that's a whole nother, a whole nother two hour podcast episode. Um, I, you have to, at some point, not think about the, the literal physicality of what you're doing. Because for me, at least when I get into the cycle of like, okay, 26 minus 18 equals however many miles uh-huh. times 11 minutes a mile. And then all of a sudden it's like, I can't breathe Mm -hmm. and I have to like just do something to get out of that space. Like I find myself compulsively checking my watch a lot when I'm struggling. And so I have to like, I'll flip it around so I can't see it at the top of my wrist just by flicking. Um, And it's like too uncomfortable to kind of go around. Um, So I'll do little things like that. um, Or I will like put on a podcast and listen to someone else talk about something else for a while um, to try and take myself out of the moment. Um, when you're done, it feels it feels a little bit, it's both anticlimactic and also so overwhelmingly intense where you're like, wow, I just did that for five hours. I thought that was going to be the rest of my life. Because one, I probably thought I was going to die while I was doing this because this is terrible. Uh, And also, like, you just, you have to, you just have to do it. I don't know. This should have, I don't know. It's like, wow, and you just have to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really, this is really showcasing my intelligence. Um, I never get to talk about running. This is so exciting. Right. Uh, I also don't listen to a lot of running-based podcasts. Like I, I listen to story-based podcasts or politics podcasts mostly. Um, so I don't know how people talk about running. Yeah, so well, I, don't really do it I mean, much. same. Yeah, well, so much of it is not talking, you know, and mm. about it. So much about it is the doing. And I also think our bodies hold more, more, blah, 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 blah <laughs> that, our, that our bodies hold more knowledge than our minds do. Mm. And so, kind of like putting words to something that's embodied is, um, can be a worthwhile practice, but also a very fraught practice, which I think we're like coming up against. Yeah, and because I, I feel that way 
about so many things. Um, you should come on my podcast and we'll talk about this also um, mm-hmm. from a, a queer perspective. Um, I I think that, yeah, I, I don't exercise with other people and I never have because we live in a society that values, that pushes back between extreme individualism and a pressure to conform in a variety of different ways. And for me, exercise is a passable opportunity to be alone, which I used to struggle with uh, as like a college student and a grad student, trying to give into those pressures of, of being with a group instead of being with individual people I care about or being by myself. So like going to the gym, putting in headphones and listening to like shitty seventh grade dance rap music from the mid two thousands. Like no one gets to talk to me. No one gets to bother me. I am just lifting weights and doing pushups and everyone can not exist anymore. Um, and then you leave the gym and you have all of these, you know, I'm making swirling gestures with my fingers. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with all of that again, all of a sudden. But when you're out by yourself, running or doing any kind of solo exercise, people see it and they're like, Oh, look at that guy just doing his thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No one is like, shame on you for being alone in that moment. Um, do you run with other people ever? No, no, no. And the prospect of a couples, I I did one guy who loved to go bike riding and he wanted to make like, like, you know, like tight pants people's what my family calls them. And he tried to like get me to do it. And I'm like, I, I am, first of all, I'm never doing this. Second of all, I'm never doing this with someone else either. Like, correct. I was, yeah, my, my ex and I would run together and he would always be like, try to talk. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, I love you. No, but no, no. no, this is my, I'm trying to catch up on my podcast. I'm trying to like chill. I love uh-huh. you, but like, please. Or he'd be like, "We should talk about your running form sometime." And I'd be like, "No." It's actually, it's actually never going to change. So Is no. <laughs> I'm fine. Thanks, though. Uh huh. I appreciate it, but yeah, no, I really, I can't. I the the run clubs in Queens have kind of restarted mm-hmm. recently, so I'll be doing after work walks um, on Thirty Fourth Ave and see clubs come uh-huh. through and i'm like first of all ooh, it's still i don't know how i right. feel about that from a safety perspective right. but also like just I, no because like if you need to stop and tweet or like tie your shoe or like like i need i need the control over yeah. like i need to be able to slow down or to stop or to speed up or like if I feel like I want to beat a light and run out in front of a car, like I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that choice mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, I can't, the idea of, I like the idea of a running community. I don't like the idea of running as a group. Right. <laughs> I'm running, yeah. Running together. That's what, I mean, that's something I still, something I really appreciated about high school was the cross country team and the track team. Well, I should say the distance kids on the track team. Um, just because like there was the community, but aspect, but everybody is in it, like does have to pull their own weight or like do it themselves. And I, and I found like a really great balance between those things as opposed to 
freshman basketball, which I still can't believe I did one year. <laughs> and it's like, if you drop the ball, like you drop the ball or like someone passes yeah. it to you. I mean, that never happened to me, but in theory, someone could have passed it to me and I would have dropped it. No, and, I, yes, I, exactly correct. And that's, I think that's, I am, um, Relating to my earlier point, I find myself more in the aggressive individualist side of our society for a variety of reasons. Um, And that's what I really liked about track and cross country was like, we are earning points for our team as a whole, but I still have to be the best 100 meter runner possible because I have to beat as many people as possible to contribute to that effort. Mm -hmm. And that was already enough intense psychological pressure I was putting on myself. I definitely didn't need someone being like, Hey, you dropped the ball when I passed it to you. I think I just would have, I would have incinerated. I I like, I would have disappeared from this earth. I would have turned into ash and blown away. Like I would not have been able to handle it. Like truly. I do. Um, I did love the something I like prefer cross country and like a spiritual element uh of it, like a human element, but I love track for the theater element of it right Um, like you could see everything that's going on it's on full display if people have their own lanes i love that but also like the 800 was my favorite race because it's like a long time but a short Mm -hmm. time and like yes jockeying um do you and and that's why i love the olympic marathons because they finish in a track they like go you know in that concourse and through the tunnel and they emerge and like, like can you believe do you like that excites you in the same way, right? Yes. Oh, extremely, extremely. Don't, yes. Don't you see so much like theater, athletics, like crossover, and and like endurance sports, theater crossover. I do, because I, I, I feel you are talking about sort of embodying these emotions, and it makes me think immediately of of dance, where you have to control yourself even as you're letting go and you are outputting something and my background is in music and I'm a trained music educator. And so it's, I feel similarly of like, like you get something you, I, your sentiment I think was a really, really good one about it's hard to explain something that you physically embody. And I feel that way about making music a lot of times it, it can be hard when you're listening to something and you're just like, wow, I, uh, and like you can see someone doing it with their hands. Like you watch John Coltrane play and he is just squared up on the mic, ice cold in it, just, it's beautiful. And I feel that way about athletes where it is, it's so physical but it's also so individual and you know that there's something going on they have to be thinking and especially with running too where all of your thinking is about yourself it's not about when you're on a team you're thinking okay i need to cut to the left to cross to the right because erica's going to be on the right side and then she's going to shoot with the strong foot and score I can't think that way. <laughs> well, it sounds like you just, that was a great software. <laughs> like, it sounds like you're- I can see it. I could coach yeah. it. I could, <laughs> I, could yeah. I could put that on a, on a map, on a whiteboard, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but I could not execute 
that move because uh-huh. I would just be like, oh. Mm-hmm. But when you're running, you're just thinking about you and what you're doing. Exactly. And the my first marathon in particular, there were two older women who were running faster than me and just like chitter chattering the whole time. And one, I like couldn't handle it because it was so annoying. But for two, I also was actively upset because I was getting smoked by these two ladies. <laughs> road Going from school to road races is great because you see yourself in the world with other people and you're yes. like, oh, wow, I really, it's yes. not just me and a bunch of 18 year olds. It's like grown older ladies who are better than me. Yeah. And like, it was very upsetting. And I uh-huh. ran, I ran my first 12 miles extremely too fast uh-huh. and then ate shit. And it was uh-huh. horrible. It was uh-huh. so, and I like, I, I blame myself obviously, but like it is about those other women. And then for my the, the second marathon, I was just like, I can't, you know, I like put myself in a corral that was slower than I wanted to run, but definitely how fast I was going to run. And the whole time I was just like, I don't belong in this corral. I'm a runner. I'm an athlete. I'm faster than this. And then was like, ow, my leg hurts. I can't run anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, so it's, it, it's every experience is a learning experience and especially competitive athleticism at a super high level because it is, it is about, it's about the showboating. It's about the ego. It's about the knowledge that you can be better than the guy next to you. And, um, this is what, this is what Jeff Hipsher told us, uh, who was the spring track coach at Brunswick. Um, he said, you, you get to the start, you get in your blocks, you look to the left, you look to the right, and you think, I'm going to kick both of their asses, and then you go. And that's the kind of, like, the sort of intensity that you have to have. And when it's directed in a 100-meter straight line, it's a lot safer than, like, I got called out in soccer because I looked like I was going to punch people all the time. I, I was told I was too aggressive because I was that amped all the time and no one ever told me I was too aggressive while I was running Mm -hmm. because you just sort of drop someone down and they go Mm -hmm. um and I I feel that way where you it's it's on display but it's still very individual and I I like yes it reminds me it reminds me of like again sorry to be a pervert on your podcast but like it, it's not that running is a sexual experience for me. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I feel like it's that same, like, I feel as an individual with eyes on me in a racing situation, even if, like, you're in a big pack of people and no one is cheering for you specifically, but to, like, be on the streets and people are cheering and they're watching and they are seeing you have this experience is very intense. Yeah. It leads me to what you were talking about, looking to the person to the left and right of you. I think part of being an adult is understanding um, like there's not always going to be someone to beat or like someone to mm. kick their ass and like eventually it's going to be just you. And I, and it makes me think about your project now doing this marathon by yourself. How are you re- reframing um, 
what success means to you, which I think is also like a fundamental question about growing older. Yeah. Um, but in the I, context of your project, like you're not running against or with anybody. Yeah. I think, I think because the marathon is never something I'm going to run for speed. The goal is to always finish. Um, the first one I was like, I'm going to run it in four hours or less. What? No, that was never going to happen. It made sense at the time a little, but not really. Um, but then eventually like the third one I ran, I was like, I would like to do it and not walk run as slow as possible, but I would like to not walk. And I accomplished that goal and it was very, very validating. I think with this one, it's just, I would like it to be celebratory. I'm really excited about the people who are going to be here at the finish line. I've been kind of daydreaming about how good it's going to feel to see two people I care about the most, like waiting with beer and hugs and that is if that joy is going to be the point of it and going as slow as I need to and not having to worry about the timer and not have to worry about getting the course complete before they pull up the barriers or whatever. I just, I'm just excited to be, doing it, it feels, it feels like I've already been successful, which is taking off a lot of the pressure of the actual running component of the race, which is an interesting thing that I'm thinking about now for the first time, um, based on your questioning, which is a good, a, f a fun place to be in right now. Um, yeah. Can I ask I you questions about your project? <laughs> yes, please. But before that, before that, I just want to mention, because I'm also crying again. Um, I want to mention, I feel like you're describing um, heaven in a sort of way, and especially like reaching the end and just having the people you love there with beer and hugs. I'm kind of like, kind of feel like that's what death is going to be like too. It's just like people waiting with beer and hugs. And, and yeah, like I, hope, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's Bud Light in heaven. If there's not, I'm not staying. There's not, I'm not staying. No, right back to hell with the vodka sodas and the gays. Um, um, before we talk about my project, I had one. I had a last question for you, which is, um, you mentioned how it's a mental exercise. What are the thoughts that we've we talked about? Some of the thoughts that have hurt you. What are the thoughts that help you? Oh gosh, I. One of the things when I started doing more serious and consistent running, it really became an opportunity to listen to things that I didn't have the time to listen to in my everyday life. So I was like jam packing my brain with podcasts and with the news. And like, I was never letting quiet happen. And as I've gotten older and more experienced as a human being and as a runner, I, um, I just let it, I just, I just get in the drift and like, I will find myself having like a two hour daydream about like a wedding with someone I knew in high school. And then I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> what is this? Uh, or like, I think about 
I have conversations with myself in my head a lot, just sort of working out things that are happening in the discourse or things that are happening online. Um, I just, when I'm in a good spot, the best thoughts are just the ones that kind of happen. And I can just, you're just like listening to your favorite jams and kind of singing along. And then all of a sudden something will come up and then it'll go. And then, you know, it's, it's nice running in New York. Um, during quarantine, I've tried to do more like door to door running where before now I would run into Manhattan and then get a snack and then take the train home or run to Brooklyn, see a friend, take a shower at someone's house and then come home. But I'm trying have been trying to like do six miles out and six miles back instead of 12 miles to Manhattan and then take the train home. Um, and so I've seen parts of Queens that I never would have seen before. And so that has been nice to just be like, Oh, Queens is so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I'm so happy that I moved here. Cause I, mm-hmm. I love, I love, love, love Queens. Um, so to just sort of, think about the communities I'm running through and think about myself as a part of this community and what it all looks like. It just, New York city knocks me off my feet every single day that I'm here. And it's been eight years, um, seven years, I guess. Uh, and so that's always nice is to, to see different parts of town and think about what it is like for people who live in those places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had the exact same experience in Astoria, like just block, like two blocks away that were in between avenues I would never go on. Mm-hmm. And it's a totally different block and like totally different houses or apartment yeah. buildings. And I also, when I lived in Bushwick and went into the city, I love the theater of emerging and getting onto whatever bridge it is and then seeing the skyline. Oh. Come on, right? Every time. It's like you're you're in Hathaway. It's just like the uh, helicopter is filming you and you're like, wow, look at me. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And and it just, it also, I feel that way in very rare circumstances where I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm making it. I am here. I am queer. I am cool. And I'm, I'm like... And you're just, yeah, the, the drama of it all of, of like crossing the Williamsburg bridge and then popping out in Chinatown. And then all of a sudden you're at union square and you're like, you're just moving, you're moving through the city, which is so energetic and stable, but also always changing in a way and you're seeing changes as you move. So even like different neighborhoods and going through them. Um, I also, I love walking in the city too, just going from point A to point B and, but like increasing the speed of that is always great. And um, I don't know. And everyone is hot here. So it's like, you're on the bridge, like, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of beautiful people I, what I love about New York it's a lot of beautiful people a lot of ugly people and it's just like a lot to look at I saw um, a running list that was like 10 best things about running in New York and one of them which was my favorite was um, um, 
don't be afraid to take your shirt off. Like we've all seen worse, but we've all seen better. So it's fine. (laughs) And I was like, yes, I'm Uh never wearing a shirt in Manhattan ever again. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Something I love. Well, something that I I don't, I don't know why I say love because I hate it. Maybe it's, maybe I actually love it on a deeper level, but being in, in Madison and running around UW, it's like beautiful. Like, you would love it, like running along the lake, like yeah. dirt paths, not the pavement, you know, all this beautiful stuff. But there's like a lot of hot guys with their shirts off and I'm like, what the heck? I, I came here to be prayed. <laughs> and now I'm like very middle of the pack still. And I'm like, where is my market? Where am I in the top 10%? I'm like still out here huffing and puffing, trying to make it to a B plus. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Um, you mentioned being here and being queer and feeling powerful. That's exactly what Endurance Queen is about um, for me, like running. And I also feel like after a long run, I want to, like I have more confidence and I also like, I strut down the sidewalk after I'm done. And then I wanted to make it a piece. And I was like, how can I make it the, like, how can I make it the most, um, just like amplify the ideas of endurance and queerness and performativity and theater and drama and climax and and also challenge myself yeah and um do you make your own training plans or do you like find them online or use an app or do you kind of lay it out for yourself i found one i think it was on livestrong lol um (laughs) that's like a three month just like um chart or whatever and it yeah. tells you every day what to do yeah do you how many days a week do you run like four and you did it in three three months is three months seems short i do kind of short i do four days a week for four months uh-huh. and then like general maintenance for the rest of the year i'll do three days a week uh-huh. um monday usually monday wednesday long run saturday but now i do tuesday thursday friday saturday um with like yoga on sunday Monday and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, three months is intense. That's yeah, like it's short. That's it's kind of good though. I feel like because if you're if you're generally fit enough and you can just sort of like bust out a ten miler on any given day, then like that's a fine jumping off point. I would say, which I suspect is how it is for you. Kind of, yeah. Um, I'm I'm so interested. So you were kind of mentioning some general concepts about endurance queen, but when, what was it like to make the decision? Cause I know you can, I get this way where I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if, and then you finally do something or you make the plan and you're like, Oh, well, <laughs> so what was this a great formulation for a question? Uh, but what was it like for you to get to a point where you were like, whoa, I'm doing this thing. I had this idea and now it is something I'm doing um, the first time or any time since then. Yeah, I think I'm coming up against it hard now. And it's because I knew from the start that I wanted to do it years in a row. And I thought 26 years in a row would be good. And also I did it when I was 26, the, that first year. Um, when you came and saw me, which was so like touching and still stick out to me I I can remember exactly the point that I saw you and I feel like I hadn't seen you since we were track coaches together and then to see you in that context was like really moving and also like it was in the last six miles of that thing um 
but to answer uh, your question, it's really hard. And, uh, and sometimes I like resent myself for it. Mm. Um, but mostly I think like, I think I was 26. I thought I would be married or something. And I think I really wanted to commit to something. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Ugh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Fundamentally, that's what it was. I'm like, I'm 26. All of these areas of my life continue to change. Um, I want something to not change that I control. Mm. Yeah. And I wanted it to be in Central Park every year, and I was going to travel back um, to do it. But with the pandemic, I decided to not. Um, I think it's interesting because it's peeling back the layers of like, well, what is the project then if it's not about specific time place action maybe it's um maybe the places wherever i am you know because that's also an emotional place of where you are right i was thinking about this yesterday i have a running playlist that as i mentioned is just bad rap music but also like some house music and some trap stuff and and just miscellaneous like pump up jams mm -hmm. um it's now like a nine and a half hour long playlist that i have been formulating over the course of of my life. Uh -huh. um, and I started from the very beginning yesterday for some reason and never do that. Cause usually I'm like kind of over the stuff that I listened to five years ago constantly. And as I'm cycling through the playlist, like I can hear the timestamps yeah. where I'm like, Oh, my roommate had sent me this song on Facebook, which is what led to the next three songs on this list because they're similar sounds and similar artists. And like, oh, this is the start of 2014 because I had just broken up with whoever and like was listening to this song while I was doing this. And like, this is when I moved to Queens. This is when I was seeing this movie. This is when I was dating this person. Like I can hear, I can hear my patterns and I can hear my history in this list. And I feel like that's been the interesting thing about doing the marathons consistently is like, I am in a place, but it's been different places. I'm excited to do the first one here. But yeah, I think it's also like, like where you are, are in a variety of ways, like mm -hmm. where you physically are and where you emotionally are and what your goals for this round of the project are and how it's going to feel different um, do you, do you write at all? Do you like, do you have, yes, do you yes, give but I haven't yourself written about this moments? I'm just wondering about like what a moment of reflection would feel like, like reading back year over year of that first, like, like the day after the week after the day before the week before, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested. When I, I came to New York, I kind of fell in love with one of the theory professors at NYU who does long-form piano improvisation. Like 75 minutes, you just sit and he doesn't stop. And it makes me think a lot about any kind of long-form performance, performance art, any sort of long-form physical movement. And he and I had a long conversation about how running is a little bit like that where he would just be like what is it like to just go run 14 miles and i'd be like 
it's like same. it's like nothing else yeah it's like it's like you it's it feels the same it is the same it takes a level of practice it takes a level of understanding it takes a level of intensity that you have to keep up and uh yeah i'm so excited for you this is year three mm-hmm. <sighs> it's gonna be great <laughs> thank you this is going to be, this is, this pod is going to be up the day after. So it's a real, who knows? <laughs> I, oh, I wish I could be there. I'm like, I'm feeling your energy and I, I want it. I well, want it. In spirit. A lot of people are there in spirit and, um, and thank you for coming on the pod before and inspiring me as you do. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. Yes to all. <laughs>